Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. I'm Clayton Conway with Raptor S. Charlays in Canton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton is not a profitable crop right now for Texas farmers. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Artificial intelligence is playing an increasingly significant role in our society today. But what might AI mean for beef production? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The United States is still the number one beef producer in the world, despite the fact that North America, including Canada, Mexico, and the U.S., are all experiencing low cow inventories. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from the, the U.S. Meat Export Federation Fall Conference in New Orleans straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton prices have taken a drop over the past couple of weeks, now well below 80 cents. Roger Davis grows cotton in the northeastern panhandle, and he says cotton price in the 70s just won't work. I think at the current price of cotton, if you're a good steward and businessman, that you're going to have to kind of second guess what you're doing. 78 cent cotton is kind of a tough pill to swallow. The input costs are just too high at the moment, and 78-cent cotton just really doesn't pencil out on the paper. And that's going to cause a reduction in his cotton acreage. When we first started planting cotton back in 2003, after we got over the initial shock of that crop of how difficult it really was to raise, and kind of got acclimated to it, we established some pretty good APHs through those first few years. However, once you have some bad years in there, that goes against your APH, and so your guarantees start to dwindle somewhat. But right now, we're probably going to continue to grow cotton on dry land. I think it's a real good fit. Irrigation, you know, we're backing off on acres due to the price. Davis says world politics is playing a big role in cotton demand right now, and that's one factor causing low cotton prices. Drought conditions continue to improve across Texas. 
According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, 65.3% of the state is suffering from moderate or worse drought. That's down slightly from last week thanks to some rain in central Texas. Approximately 11% of the state is in extreme or exceptional drought. Part of Bear County and an area in southeast Texas near Jasper County are both in exceptional drought. Meanwhile, the monitor says there's no drought in the counties along the Texas-Oklahoma border in the Panhandle, in an area near Texarkana, in a few counties around Floyd County, and in another area near Dimmick County in the Valley. Conditions are expected to improve as the state continues to receive some much-needed rainfall. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Thursday's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report from USDA showed a cut in Texas cotton production compared to last month's estimate. But overall, our crop this year is going to be much higher than last year. Texas upland cotton production now forecast at 3.6 million bales. That is 18% higher than 2022. Yield is averaging 487 pounds an acre, with acreage harvested at 3.5 million That's up 78% from last year. Artificial intelligence is playing a significant role in our society today. James Hunt takes a look at what AI might mean for beef production. We have certainly been hearing a lot in the news lately about AI and the various ways artificial intelligence is or will be impacting our world. What could AI mean for the cattle business? Hemphill County Extension agent Andy Holloway believes AI could be beneficial. We collect so much data in the cattle business from the purebred level all the way to the packer level. And so I think with artificial intelligence, we're going to be able to analyze the data a lot more efficiently and effectively and perhaps select cattle that more fit the data set that consumers are purchasing. Holloway sees the potential for AI to have an impact similar to what the establishment of the Certified Angus Beef brand brought to the industry. Certified Angus Beef has literally changed the whole beef cattle industry. We've become an industry focused on quality beef instead of an industry that's all about a commodity product. And so artificial intelligence is going to help us advance the quality aspect of the beef cattle business in such a way that's way important to the bottom line of beef cattle producers. Holloway says AI will be a topic for the next Hemp Hill County Beef Conference, including how to avoid the potential downside. I do think we need to understand what artificial intelligence is about so it doesn't manipulate us in a negative way. The annual Hemp Hill County Beef Conference is scheduled for April 23rd and 24th in Canadian. And we'll bring you more information about the event as we get closer to that time. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Worldwide beef consumption will be limited by the availability of beef supply. Tom Nicoletti has the story from the U.S. Meat Export Federation's fall meeting in New Orleans. Joining me today is Jay Johnson. He is a cow-calf producer from Swisher County in the Texas Panhandle. Caught up with him at the U.S. Meat Export Federation Fall Conference in New Orleans. And uh, Jay, you are here as a producer from Texas and also a representative here at the meeting for Texas Farm Bureau. And certainly a lot of information came out of the beef committee session that you sat in. Uh, What's the prognosis as far as we move forward? Well, there's a couple things to talk about. 
Well, the big one is that it appears that worldwide overall beef consumption growth is going to be limited by the availability of supply. The big question that was asked in the meeting was, who's going to produce the beef, us, the U.S., or Australia? There is some interesting things in the work in countries such as Korea, Taiwan, and Indonesia, depending upon if how some trade agreements play out. But there could be some really good growth upside potential in those countries if better access is granted. And it was stressed during the Beef Committee meeting that the United States is still the number one beef producer in the world. Yes, yeah, still the number number one beef producer in the world, still high demand for that grain finished beef that the, a lot of the world really desires and wants. And I think the other thing that's interesting to note is that on a dollar per head basis, the return from exports is still really high. We're really only behind the record years of 21 and 22 in terms of total value. Consumption growth is supply limited. If you look at North America, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, all three countries have really experienced some cow loss. That is Jay Johnson. He is a cow-calf producer in the Texas Panhandle. Here in New Orleans at the U.S. Meat Export Federation Fall Conference, I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We now check in with Dr. Shane McClellan in Central Texas. And Shane, I know you've had some good rains recently there that have helped farmers and ranchers in the Waco area. The rains have been a godsend, really. Only way to, to say it. It's just amazing how much our foragers have responded with these late October rains. You know, a lot of our grasses have responded and grown from the few late rains in, in the end of September, early October, but it was still turning off dry. Still a lot of big cracks in the ground. And uh, the rain that we received through the Blackland region here at the end of October is really just making everything green up and look good. We are expecting some cooler weather and it could burn back some forages if we do get a killing frost. Grasses look really good. All our forages are starting to grow and looking good going into the winter. Well, Shane, there are a lot of oats planted in Central Texas for grazing. How are those fields looking right now? So oats are what we typically plant for grazing for livestock in the in the cool season of a year. And most of our oats has been planted for grazing has been up. Some of it wasn't emerged yet just due to lack of moisture. But this rain will help it grow and uh, come out of the ground. Have had some underworm pressure on some hay fields and, and oat pastures. Hopefully this rain will, will set underworms back enough and we won't have to worry about them for a while. What about winter wheat? Is it going in the ground yet? It will, and typically we'll start planting our grains for harvest of the seed in early November. About November 7th is when everybody will want to be running. So this rain sets it up perfect for us. When this dries out, most of Central Texas black sowing wheat that will be harvested you know, next year in, in, in May, June time frame. And how about that final cutting of hay, Shane? Did you get rain in time to get that last cutting? Yeah, before these last rains, a lot of our hay producers had a choice of spraying farming worms or cutting their field for hay, and most of them chose to just go ahead and cut, lay the grass down, uh, get it cut and bailed before the rains came. And doing so, that helps local hay supply, but we're still behind where we should be on hay. Not a lot of hay has been stored due to just low production of hay the last few years. 21 
2022 and 2023 weren't great years for hay production. So still kind of uh, hay supply is still short. A lot of producers are still going to be looking for hay to feed through the winter. But we do have a little bit of hay. We're, we're in better shape than we were last year. Hopefully we'll, these rains will continue during the cool season and the winter months. And then we can get some, some cool season grasses growing for grazing where we won't have to rely on hay as much to supplement the livestock. That's Dr. Shane McClellan in Waco. The mule deer hunting season in the Texas Panhandle opens up Saturday. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have this year's hunting forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today. And medical grade honey is commonly used to heal wounds in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Medical grade honey is commonly used to heal wounds in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says researchers in England are researching its use in joints. Manuka honey has been very effective in my practice for treating non-healing necrotic wounds by accelerating the healing process. Dr. Richard Coomer indicates in the horse publication that this honey is now being sterilized and used post-surgically in infected joints. Now, this is medical-grade honey and not the kind you pick up at the grocery store. It is sold and labeled as medical-grade honey and usually contains manuka honey, which is made by honeybees that collect nectar from the manuka bushes flowers. And this honey inhibits bacterial growth and speeds healing. Scientists have reported that B-defensin-1 is a protein that contains a long-chain sugar molecule and other phenolic compounds that further enhance its antimicrobial properties. Some research has been done in humans using a medical-grade honey in joints, and Dr. Coomer is studying the product in horses. Horses develop serious joint infections due to wounds, and infections are difficult to treat in joints due to the location and antimicrobial resistance. Dr. Coomer tried Manuka honey in three damaged joints that required surgery and were infected, and the honey was instilled in the joints after surgery. He found the medication to be safe with no adverse effects, and all three horses successfully recovered from their injuries with no lameness observed. This is a very small study, and as I mentioned on the program before, you can't determine too much from a study with only three horses and no control group. However, it does indicate that sterile Manuka honey can be used in infected joints, and further studies are warranted with larger numbers of horses. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Mule deer season in the Texas Panhandle opens Saturday. Jessica Domel has this year's mule deer forecast in today's wildlife report. 
The general mule deer hunting season in the Texas Panhandle opens up on Saturday, November 18th. And the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department tells us the multi-year drought continues to take a toll on the Texas mule deer population. But there is a bright spot for hunters. Sean Gray, TPWD's mule deer and pronghorn program leader, joins us with more. I think in general it's going to be better than last year. So that's promising, but I think it's probably going to be below average in terms of our long-term trends. Numbers are slightly declining in both the Panhandle and Trans-Pecos. Nothing drastic, but kind of a slow decline. And then antler development should be a lot better than last year, but I think it's going to be below average in terms of long-term trend. Gray says this year's weather did impact the mule deer population. We had some decent spring moisture, and I think that helped with the antler development for sure. And then kind of carried over to a little bit of early summer. It seems like the fawn production is above average as well. There are good mule deer all over Texas, but Gray says there are a few areas that may be better for hunters. The areas that really produce big mule deer on a constant basis are the sand hills and the panhandle and the Permian Basin, those sand hills as well. But there's areas out here in far west Texas that produce really, really big mule deer as well. That was Sean Gray, TPWD Mule Deer and Pronghorn Program Leader. Again, the mule deer general season for the panhandle opens on November 18th. The season for the Trans-Pecos opens November 24th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Higher closes on Monday to kick off the trading week in our agricultural markets. Of course, we'll start with the cattle futures market here, where we closed higher on both live and feeder cattle. December live cattle up 45, 174.62. February up 37 at 175.02. January feeder cattle up $1.57, 228 even. March feeder cattle up $1.45 at $230.07. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up last week, selling cattle here in the Southern Plains at 180 to 181. That is four to five bucks higher compared to the previous week. Box beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice was down 48 cents to 99.98. Select up $1.74 to 69.16. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
Bart Larimore from Jordan Cattle Auction is in the auction alleyway with us today. Bart, how did the Thursday sale go in San Saba? Yes, sir. Today, Larry, we had about six, right at 1,600 head with about 400 cows and 20 bulls. I had a good offering of bred cows that they ranged anywhere from 1,100 to 1,825 on some baby tooth heavy bred cows. Uh, the high yield in Packer cow today was $1.10 and the high yield in Packer bull was about $1.18. And uh, we just called those Packer cows and Packer bulls pretty steady. Um, when we got in the calf market, you know, with the board kind of with a little reluctancy this week, uh, we saw stalker steers and heifers pretty much steady, but the feeder side of things kind of got a little stickier. We saw them on both the feeder steers and heifers about 5 to $10 lower. Um, we had some representative sales that I thought really topped the market today. There were 20 black heifers, weighed 415, brought 275, and they dollared out 1141. There were 12 really good black steers, light steers, weighing 399, brought 305, dollaring out 1217. Six bigger steers, weighing 502, brought 282.50, dollaring out 1418. And then there were seven really nice black white face steers. That brought uh, that weighed five thirty four, brought two seventy six dollar and fourteen seventy three. We had a really good offering of good calves, um, a lot of calves that could head north and uh, make a lot of money for somebody here in the future. But uh, really good offering of cows and calves this week. Uh, do you know of anything coming Monday for Mason? Yes, so there's a few smaller groups. Um, you know. 20 to 50 head groups that we've got coming in. Um, it just kind of depends on this rain, if everybody can get out of the pastures with them, that uh, I think we'll have a good run if we don't get a ton of rain. But it is uh, nice to have this slow drizzle right now to kind of help the winter grass and wheat right now. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Bart. Yes, sir. You can go to our website at jordancattle.com or call us at the office at 325-372-5159. Bart, thanks for being on Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're listening to us both on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher on Monday. December hogs up a dollar forty-five, seventy-three thirty-five. February hogs up a dollar forty-five, seventy-seven oh two. December class three milk up thirty-five cents, seventeen twenty-four hundred weight. Cotton market closed narrowly mixed. Some short covering coming into the market today, helping to keep a floor in prices. We close with December cotton up sixteen points, seventy-seven forty-eight. While March cotton was down three seventy nine forty seven, corn and wheat both trading at the lowest levels we've seen here in twenty twenty three. In fact, Friday was the lowest close we've seen in corn all year. Nice reversal on Monday to kick off the week. We closed strongly higher in corn with December corn up thirteen and a half four seventy seven and a quarter. March corn up thirteen and three quarters four ninety two and three quarters. Both hard and soft wheat finished slightly higher. December Kansas City wheat up one and a half, six forty-one and a half. December Chicago wheat up three and three quarters at five seventy-nine a bushel. In the energy markets, December natural gas was up nineteen cents, three twenty-three. December West Texas crude oil up a dollar nine, seventy-eight twenty-six a barrel. Financial markets nearly mixed Monday afternoon. The Dow up seventy-six points, thirty-four thousand three eighty-nine. The Nasdaq down three, 13,794. The S&P up two, 4,417. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. I hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.